Anytime, anywhere. Smartphone, tune in radio app. We are 1061 Nash Icon, WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening, and welcome to All Access on 1061 Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also brought to you by the All-State Sugar Bowl, representing the best in amateur athletics. And by Bienvenue Bar and Grill in Harahan, with many Creole-inspired dishes. All Access is also brought to you by Premier Automotive, with locations throughout the metro area. Life Resources Ministries, Lamarck Ford and Kenner, John Curtis Christian School, by Mid-South Coding. Archbishop Rommel High School in Metairie, home of Greater Pride. And by Bergeron Automotive on Veterans in Metairie. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports, all sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Jude Young of Cumulus New Orleans, the University of New Orleans, and CrescentCitySports.com. Oh, baby, I don't know where you are in the area, but it's rumbling outside. Afternoon storms, which is good because stormy weather kind of reminds you of the Saints right now, doesn't it? Hot off the presses. We know that they're not exactly stacked at wide receiver with Michael Thomas out injured. And the latest attempt to put a Band-Aid, however small, on the problem after trying out a few receivers today. The Saints have signed Kevin White. Now, he's somebody who perfectly fits the definition of draft bust. Back in 2015 out of West Virginia, he was number seven overall by the Bears. Immediately suffered an injury and didn't even play as a rookie. After four years in Chicago, it was bye-bye. Not even the fifth-year option. Didn't do anything. A couple teams later doing nothing there either. Maybe this is last chance saloon for somebody that has some talent, obviously. But one wonders why, even with nagging injury problems, White hasn't done more. And if he's ever going to get the job done. Now think about the last couple teams he's been with and the talent they have at wide receiver. Cardinals, 49ers. Decent receiver rooms. Not not outstanding, especially last year when he was only active for three games with San Fran. And they were banged up last year all over the place, including wide out. Mike didn't do anything. So this is just one of those deals where it's not even really a deal. It's just a blind stab in the dark with a little bit of time left before you have to make real decisions on what you're going to do to fix that particular problem. If you're the Saints, a couple preseason games left, you've got a little bit of time to evaluate a guy outside of a workout. Oh, by the way, amongst those working out in that group, that included a couple tight ends, several wide receivers, Malachi Dupree, remember him, out of John Curtis, LSU, a little surprised he didn't get signed. Big wide receiver target. Was a playmaker down the field. But obviously didn't make his mark in the NFL to have a job right now either. So they're rolling with Kevin White. 
One would think he's not going to make the roster, though. And one would think out of the receivers left in that position, there's plenty of room for an upgrade. You don't know when Thomas is going to be back, even though with the reconciliation reports, let's say everything goes well, and it's true within those reports, and out of the head coach's mouth, Sean Payton, that Thomas is doing what he needs to do, and Payton's saying specifically that he's ahead of schedule. After the surgery. Well, what does that mean? Who knows? When's he going, really going to be ready to play? Let's assume, just assume that halfway through the season makes sense. Just looking at today's practice in 11-on-11 drills, who are the starting wide receivers? Well, one is a, a no-doubter. And if, if we were talking about a healthy Thomas and Marquez Callaway, we'd be feeling a lot better about the spot. But we're not. We're just talking about Callaway and somebody else. And the preferred somebody else at the moment is Deontay Harris. And we know because of his DUI, he's going to be suspended for a game or two, you would think. But when available, he would be there, maybe even ahead of Traquan Smith, who finally practiced again as his dings and minor issues with that history, continued to start training camp, and he's already missed time. It's not a big deal because they need him. He's going to play. They know he can block. He knows the offense. So you've got those three guys with Harris met, set for sure to miss a little time, Thomas to miss a bunch as the fourth guy you throw in there, and clearly your best. And you're going to carry, what, at least five receivers. And you need to carry five healthy ones into regular season games. So there's a couple spots just waiting to be filled. How are the Saints going to upgrade those versus guys in camp? A little Jordan Humphrey does some good things, but one would say he's definitely replaceable. There's one guy that you would think would be on the trade market from a team that has an overabundance of good wide receivers. A guy who's at best the fourth receiver on his team that if he walked in the doors tomorrow on airline drive, you consider him a starter. His name's James Washington out of Pittsburgh. We know the Steelers are stacked there, re-signing Juju Smith-Schuster and hitting on last year's draft pick second round of Chase Claypool. And that isn't all. Deontay Johnson went healthy, and he gets banged up a lot too, but he's one of the better possession receivers in the league. And the ability to be much more than that. But he just seems to get open on those short routes that we've seen the Steelers run the last couple of years. Now that offense is going to be different too, which is another reason why Washington likely gets dealt somewhere because he's unhappy with his current situation. Steelers didn't use a first-round pick on Najee Harris and make it clear publicly across the board, players, coaches alike, front office, we need to get back to Steeler football and not be a team that's living off the pass. They want to get back to power in the running game. It means less receivers on the field, less passes thrown, 
and Washington's the type of guy, 5'11", 214, still young, only 25. I like him. Media and Steeler fans have talked about how good he is. And he requested a trade well over a week ago. Steelers are in no hurry. They want to see how the market plays out. The market gets more desperate as it gets closer to the regular season. After training camp in the preseason, which is when the Saints probably make something happen. Maybe they can pull something off sooner, but that's not usually how it works. But that's just one name. That's an obvious one out there, and the Saints being about as obvious a team to have a need and be a partner in a trade, black and gold to black and gold, if you will. And that is just one area where the Saints need help. We know cornerback's still a problem. They need, and that's the biggest need, even bigger than receiver. They must find another veteran who can play. Or they're really rolling the dice on potential trouble. And I like Paulson Adebo as a prospect, as rookie, as somebody that I think can come along quickly. But you're taking an awful risk at this point if you're throwing him out there to the Wolves. And assuming you do, that leaves Ken Crawley as your best option to back up both Adebo and Marshawn Lattimore. No, thank you. It's a passing league. Now, the Saints are going to run the ball more this year. Wouldn't be surprising to see them run it more than they pass it by percentage. But they will be one of the exceptions, not the rule. And that means their defense, as good as I think it's still going to be, and that is assuming adding another capable veteran cornerback before the regular season starts, when they're pretty good everywhere else, looking a lot better at linebacker than anybody thought, without Quan Alexander doing anything yet after resigning, Zach Bond turning heads, Pete Warner, who's banged up right now, didn't play in the preseason game this past weekend, but a second-round pick who you figured would be a quick study who could come in and be a steady player was early in camp living up to that scouting report. They look good there. Look good at defensive end. Look good at safety. They're fine as far as covering the slot in the secondary. Still got to wonder about defensive tackle with the David Onyemata suspension. That might be an area bolstered by some still decent veterans that you might get something out of to help fill that void. But receiver and cornerback, the boundary corner, being the biggest weaknesses on your team, not named quarterback, which is, of course, the storyline unto itself for the Saints. Those two spots being a problem is not good. Not having depth and security as far as at least knowing, okay, are our starters good enough? And this is the Saints offense that I think you'll see a lot of two tight ends. Adam Troutman will play pretty much every snap. He's healthy. I still think Jameis Winston's going to be the quarterback, which means Taysom Hill can help you at the tight end spot again. Juwan Johnson's conversion from receiver Clearly going well. Turned some heads in the preseason opener. Nick Vanett, a blocker. 
free agent signed. You know what he brings. And you're going to run the ball. So, a lot of two tight ends. No need for really more than two receivers on the field. A converted Ty Montgomery. Maybe he makes the team. Maybe helps you there. Alvin Kamara is going to catch a lot of balls. Other backs, whoever they may be, should too. So you don't need that much at wide receiver. And you can make it work there until Thomas comes available. But a responsible team that isn't just going to throw a season away, and the Saints are not of that mindset, even in this transition period, which is undeniable at this point. They have to do something there to bring in a guy who can play in the league. They can wait for the last cuts and find somebody better than the Chris Hogans of the world for teams that are overabundant, but maybe it's worth throwing a conditional pick out there to find somebody better, like a Washington. As much as you don't want to trade picks when they're so valuable, and this team's so good now at using them, especially first half of the draft picks. They come up with players, good players. So those picks are valuable to a front office who tends to get it right. Maybe you can get enough help at receiver where you don't wind up giving up a second, a third round pick. But if you do, if it's conditional and it goes to the high end, that guy winds up being worth what you gave up. But first things first, you'd have to think cornerback because you're not going to get the kind of help that you go, hey, jump into the starting lineup from final cuts from other teams. Remember how lucky they were to come up with Janoris Jenkins very late in the season a couple of years ago on a bad Giants team with a player that was disgruntled and getting paid a lot of money and they just threw him on the street. That helped the Saints. That's a rare occurrence. Saints can't wait until December to help solve that problem either. It's going to be intriguing to watch. So when you're out reading every 53-man roster prediction that you can find if you're that type, remember, even if the Saints don't make any trades, the initial 53 won't be the 53 that play in the first game against Green Bay. There'll be changes happening almost immediately based on cuts by other teams, based on your own roster manipulation of who you think you've got a better chance of sneaking onto the practice squad, even if you're not actually keeping out of your own camp personnel the very best 53 based on, obviously, positional needs that you can. Those kind of games are played. I just can't imagine the Saints don't wind up making at least one trade to solve one of those two issues. And that's not even taking into account what injuries, knock on wood, may happen to create other problems. Let's hope none of those occur. But depth at most positions, pretty good to withstand an injury or two, hopefully not of the serious seizing and ending variety in any case here and there. 
But then there's quarterback where you're not getting an answer anywhere else, at least not this year. It's got to be guys in the building. And after watching the preseason game twice, live and then speeding through the plays and the replay, it, ha- it, it my, my mind just doesn't change on this. It has to be Winston. He's got the ceiling. You've got to live with the fact that neither he nor Taysom Hill are going to come close to being what Drew Brees was over the long haul of a season, which means forget about 70-plus percent completion percentage and ultimate efficiency and think more about your misses not being plays that lead to turnovers and your hits leading to more explosive plays, all centered around a running game that produces. Does that narrow the course to a successful season? Yes, of course it does. You're much more vulnerable to ebbs and flows where your offense just isn't efficient enough to win you certain games. But it is, in that case, worth mentioning short-term. A month, six weeks we've seen in the past couple of seasons to compare now to when Drew Brees wasn't available. And yes, Teddy Bridgewater, without except against a really bad defense, having a very good game as a passer. And then Taysom Hill, you added that up to wins. Lots of them, and only one loss in their starts. So it tells you it can't be done with a good all-around roster, good coaching staff, good game plans, and avoid the turnovers. That last part is where an argument is made against both options at quarterback, and it's not going away. Until we see Winston prove he can go long stretches without just giving the ball away. But I still see it as more of a concern from what we've seen from Hill because if he played a lot more and faced more pressure, that could lead to more turnovers through the air than we've seen. And we already know that until proven otherwise, handling the football and avoiding fumbles is not something that Hill has proven he can do with a lot of touches either. And yes, the numbers tell you that Winston has had a bit of a problem with that. But the difference being Hill's been coached here by Sean Payton and company for years. Winston has not and has room to grow in that area, plus years of experience playing in the lead at the speed of the league, preparing week in, week out, month in, month out as the starter. Find out if he can get the job done because he has a future. I just can't help but seeing Hill, just his throwing motion. It's so unorthodox. It is what it is. And seeing that for 17 games and thinking it's going to lead to a lot of success, you you just can't change my mind on it, although I give Peyton and Pete Carmichael and everybody who's worked with Hill, all the credit in the world, and of course Hill himself for the hard work 
to become a capable NFL quarterback that if he's your backup, if he's your fill-in guy like we saw last year, you could do a whole lot worse. But isn't the goal to see how well you can do, what your ceiling is? The higher ceiling still with Winston. And you can always switch back to somebody that has become a very different form of old reliable and hill if it doesn't work out. Short leash. Should be a short leash either way. And it's the one area where you're not fixing the problem now. And don't start talking rookie Ian Book. Maybe one day. And that's just a very thin maybe. 504-260-1061, the number. That's 504-260-1061. That's the station you're listening to right now. Jude Young, all access every Tuesday night. I'm in the saddle. More to get to in our football preseason talk and even basketball summer league talk. A lot of stuff that doesn't count in the win-loss column right now where it matters, but coming soon, including college football and those heavily debated hopes of LSU post 5-5. Five and five. You know, I'm bullish on the Tigers. Might starting to get a little bit more bullish on the Pelicans. I didn't expect that. We'll talk about those things and more in a moment on Nash Icon 106.1 FM. Marty McFly Mornings, the best country for the North Shore all day. And the conversations New Orleans are having every afternoon happens on 1061 Nash Icon and online anytime at NashFM1061.com. I got to tell you, the Ford F-150 and I, well, we're kind of like family. Ford's the number one selling truck in America for 42 years, and Lamarck's the number one Ford dealer. So come get your number one truck from your number one dealer, Lamarck Ford, where everybody gets remarkable deals and service. And wait till you see what we've done and still doing to the big store in Canada. We're using local money, not Wall Street money. Visit Lamarck.com for more details. Drive safely, my friends. Number one claim based on 2018 new Ford vehicle retail sales report Memphis Region Zone E. Cumulus New Orleans has an immediate opening for a digital account executive. If you have at least one year experience in paid search, Google Display, paid social media, and digital video advertising, and want your paycheck to directly reflect your hard work with no income cap, send your resume to Nola Sales at Cumulus.com. That's Nola Sales at C-U-M-U-L-U-S.com. Cumulus New Orleans is an equal opportunity employer. This report is sponsored by Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Ken Trahan. Welcome to your daily sports report presented by CrescentCitySports.com. With the roster limit getting down to 85 today, the New Orleans Saints have cut kicker Brett Maher with an injury designation. Maher was expected to replace the injured Will Lutz. New Orleans also cut veteran cornerback Prince Amukamara, defensive end Noah Spence, and running back Stevie Scott. College football LSU ranked 16th, Louisiana Lafayette 23rd in the Associated Press preseason top 25 released Monday. Alabama number one, Oklahoma second, Tulane will host Oklahoma in its season opener September 4th. Clemson ranked third, Ohio State fourth, and Georgia fifth. Southeastern Louisiana ranked 17th, Nichols 23rd in the American Football Coaches Association. FCS poll released Monday, defending national champion Sam Houston is the top ranked team. And the New Orleans Pelicans have announced the signing of Willie Hernan Gomez 
Gomez and Didi Luzada, along with second-round draft pick Herbert Jones. Restricted free agent guard Josh Hart is reportedly closing in on a three-year, $38 million agreement to stay with the Pelicans, according to his agents. For these stories and more, visit CrescentCitySports.com. Have a blessed day and be a good sport. For CrescentCitySports.com, I'm Ken Trahan. Now's the time. What's on your mind? Time to express your thoughts by calling Jude Young of CrescentCitySports.com and all access at 504-260-1061. You know the number. You know the appointment time. Great time in your evening after a long day heading into a relaxing night, we hope. A little sports talk with us. Calm, cool, collected, good information, good analysis. Not bragging, just stating facts. Ken Trahan will be back in the saddle tomorrow night for another 6 o'clock all-access right after Eric Asher. A number to talk about your concerns. Maybe tell me that the glass is half full, more than half empty with the New Orleans Saints. The number 504-260-1061. In this hour, as we speak, the Pelicans preferring for and then playing their final summer league game of the year by weird tiebreaker nonsense, even though they're 4-0 and in Vegas. The Summer Pels did not qualify for the championship game. But they'll play the Timberwolves summer league team to wrap things up. Willie Green, head coach in general, has been coaching the Summer League squad, getting a good look at the young players there. Putting in the system, working day-to-day, making clear the expectations for them, in uh, general expectations of how you're supposed to play under green as well as their particular roles, what they need to be ready to bring to the table to see playing time. Trey Murphy, the first-round pick, is impressed. Would not shock me in the least if by midseason at the latest, he's not a starter. Now, that's usually not great when you talk about a 17th overall first-rounder, non-lottery. I mean, you did something, but usually teams that have playoff aspirations and more, and I don't think the Pelicans are in the as more territory yet just get to the playoffs usually teams like that aren't starting a rookie that isn't a high lottery pick but if you're starting and you're not a high lottery pick and you're a rookie then that means you've come very close very quickly to already fulfilling what you can bring to the table and Murphy has the chance to be a guy who spaces the floor hits shots moves off the ball, and is a versatile, dogged defender who can rebound on the wing and maybe even as a small four right away. He's done it in the summer league, and you can say, eh, it's the summer league. But putting yourself in a good position to hit shots, hitting open shots, hustling to rebounds, using your length. It's harder to actually excel as a defender in the summer league because of how disjointed it is. You're throwing these players together. A lot of guys who aren't going to be on the team. 
They're trying to showcase themselves to other teams in the NBA and around the world. So if you show out in areas other than individual brilliance, like Cam Thomas out of LSU, it's no shock that he's tearing it up in the summer league because he's basically doing with more space to work with summer league versus college basketball. What he was doing at LSU, guy can flat out get buckets. Now, how much value will a player who's basically been a one-trick pony in that area actually have in the NBA long-term if that's all he does? Well, there's a reason why Thomas slipped in the draft. Whereas Murphy may not have as much star potential as Thomas, but went sooner. Because Pelicans know what he's going to bring, and it fills a need. And there's a guy who can be a glue guy for you for a long time. And you like, as Ed Daniels has written on Crescent City Sports, the winning offseason overall that the Pelicans have had without naming a single obvious star addition because they couldn't get them. Couldn't get them in trades. Definitely couldn't, even though they tried, even though they believed they might be able to, couldn't get them in free agency. But yet, adding the right kind of guys, impressive. And then retaining another guy who fits that group, and Josh Hart. Hart wasn't happy how his buddy, J.J. Redick, was treated when he was traded. Hart, according to other reports, wanted a change of scenery. And yet, he's back on a what I think is... A pretty good deal, just raw numbers, and we don't know the specifics of how much of the money is guaranteed or the, is, it, is the final year voidable, that kind of stuff that matters. But the report's three years, $38 million, and Hart showing on social media he was happy about it. So getting over the issues he's had, happy to come back. There's a guy that if he could just hit the outside shot a little better and be an average floor-spacing wing, he brings so much to the table, hustle, defense, rebounding, and that versatility at 6'5". Maybe he can, although his shooting numbers have gone down since his rookie year. But the Pelicans knowing he's a winning-type ball player. He's a guy who will push Trey Murphy, who will push their second-round pick, who's also gotten a couple of years guaranteed on his contract. A full-fledged three-year deal, team option in the third, tiny money for the former Alabama star, the former SEC player of the year, SEC defender of the year, a seasoned four-year college player who we've seen in the summer league as well. Show that he's versatile. We knew he could defend. We knew his basketball IQ was through the roof. Could he ever figure out how to be somebody who can just hit uncontested open shots from distance? And you've got enough of these guys where Hart's done it a little bit before, but it's regressed maybe based on usage rate, getting sloppy with his mechanics. Maybe that can be fixed. Murphy can flat out do it. He's a shooter, period. And maybe Jones has a lot more in the tank in that area. You have a lot of options there who are versatile and going to play hard every night. But just the addition of Murphy. And going out there and getting somebody, and this was 
vital, that's going to play a lot of minutes, who wants to be here, who's a veteran in the league, who's going to bring it all the time, every night. They had to find somebody who fit that bill. Especially when Lonzo Ball was told bye-bye. And the feeling was mutual, of course. We know that. When all that happened, you had to get somebody back that was going to make you better. And Devontae Graham's that guy. He's going to hit shots. He's capable of hitting big contested shots, too. He's going to make more room on the floor. Spacing, spacing, spacing. When you talk about being more efficient on offense, that will make Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram better. They've brought in a lot of different players here. And half of their roster is going to be guys they've drafted. So they're trying to do it in the end. Maybe that wasn't the complete plan. They want to be able to trade for more. But in the end, going into this season, the end of this particular period of roster structuring, it's going to be one that's going to be very different from Adele Demp's front office built roster. A lot of draft picks have been kept, and they're going to get their chance again. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, we've seen Kyra Lewis hit and miss in the summer league. Maybe he's not ready yet. Tomas Sadoransky going to be here for a while. Who knows how long? But he can be a backup point guard who can hit an open shot, who can play those spots, even play on the wing. Versatility. Better overall shooting team. Hopefully a better defending team and a team of more guys who are going to play hard, want to be here, and will work together to try to be successful. You've already improved just doing that. And you may think, without well, again, we don't know the specifics of the contract yet, but you may think Josh Hart is overpaid. And you may think the Pelicans have missed a window to make something happen to get the star, another star to make them better. And trust me, they want that. They definitely want that. But they've got contracts that they can deal. They've got assets that they can deal. They've got draft picks in the future that can add to it. And if the right opportunity comes, then they can get that star. And it could happen as soon as midseason. You know how quickly these things change in the NBA. They're going to be as well-positioned as any team a star might be willing to go to that can meet the price of the team trading that star. Because they will be a team, I think, playing better basketball one-loss-wise that will look like a team that plays for each other, is having fun together. And I do believe that Zion Williamson is going to be a happier basketball player. I think he's been upset because everybody wasn't pulling the rope in the same direction. And he really wants to win. And his family's been expressing that. And if he wins here, I still believe Williamson is a type that's going to be as happy as the Greek freak in in Milwaukee. Or Tim Duncan, who even flirted at one point with leaving San Antonio, despite the great success there, but stayed long-term. This team keeps heading the right direction, getting better and better, playing for each other, complimenting him and winning. 
I think Zion's personality still says somebody that's going to be happy to stay where he's at. If he doesn't, it's on the Pelicans. I think that was true with Chris Paul, even though he's been somewhat nomadic in his career since. Somewhat. Right? Looking for the right championship opportunity. If the then Hornets would have gotten it right, he'd have stayed here. Not so sure that's true with Anthony Davis. But I get those vibes with Zion. I'm not sure of it. But that's just my read on it. I think that's how the front office is thinking. Because they're going to have a team of guys who are going to play really hard and don't have a lot of prima donna personalities. And even a Josh Hart who showed a little bit of that and all NBA veterans get that edge, right? Still came back in the fold and now becomes an asset because you know he's going to play hard and well for you. Another asset that can help you get better later and put pressure on the young guys here now to get the job done and keep him off the floor. Good kind of competition with a lot of young guys who know they haven't proven it enough yet and not a lot of spoiled veteran mouths to feed. I think that works really well for what Willie Green is probably looking for as well. This might be the most likable team we've seen in New Orleans since Chris Paul was running around. Jude Young with you, 504-260-1061, the number. That's 260-1061 in the 504. We come back, latest on the Tigers. Getting a little closer to opening day for those guys, right? Are they going to be back to being the Tigers we're used to seeing in this century? We'll see. We'll talk about it in a moment on All Access. This report is sponsored by Indeed.com. Take the shortcut to your next great hire. When you sponsor a job on Indeed... Instant Match immediately delivers a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. This is Josh Danzig with Where at Magazine and Worryat.com for 1061 Nash Icon, presented by Sky Vodka. You, the readers of Where at Magazine, have voted for the greatest that New Orleans has to offer in dining and more in the 2021 Best of Big Easy contest. And here are the results. For best new restaurant, in first place is Tacos Del Cartel. In second is Atavola. And in third is Treps. For complete voting results of the 2021 Best of Big Easy contest in dining and more, log on to Wariat.com and click on Best of the Big Easy. And be sure to pick up the latest issue of Wariat Magazine all over town. Cumulus New Orleans. Incredible service and excellent results. New Orleans is always number one with Cumulus Radio and Digital. Where can I get a nice cold beer and a view of the hottest girls in town? Nowhere else but Visions Men's Club serving $2 beer all day and all week long. Beat the heat and inflation at Visions on Dowman Road, where all the smart locals go. Your bachelor party headquarters open from 11 a.m. until the cock crows. Traffic is brought to you by Visions Men's Club, serving $2 beer all day and all week long. This is where you get all access. Not partial access or cut off phone calls. All are welcome. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Jude Young on 1061 Nash Icon. 
through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Keeping sports as a happy release from reality. It's still entertainment. There's passion to this entertainment. There's the unexpected to this form of entertainment. But it's still a very important release. And maybe for that reason, you don't know what's going to happen. And this time of year being fun with football because even when folks are starting to come to grips with the idea that the Saints aren't going to be what the Saints have been, even if they were fooling themselves previously. An LSU team last year that wasn't what it had been. A 500-Tiger team, not acceptable. Everybody knows it. Should be a lot better than that. More sources starting to say, too, as they delve into what's going on in preseason fall camp for the Tigers, getting that feeling, too. Even though in the polls, coaches had LSU 13th, AP less generous, 16th. That's fine, and it doesn't mean anything. By the way, congratulations to the Raging Cajuns, 23rd in both of those major polls. They, along with Coastal Carolina, being ranked back-to-back in those polls. First time that's happened for the Sun Belt in the preseason. The major polls ever in the top 25. But let's talk. Top of the table, if you will. That's how it's said, right, about soccer. There's a big difference between teams that are valued at the top of the table. They have by far the highest ceilings, highest interest. Why deny it? And that's no offense to Tulane either. A lot of anticipation. Can they hang in there with number two ranked Oklahoma? I don't know. But we're going to get a better feeling for the Green Wave season as far as the ceiling goes, if nothing else, out of that game. How many problems can they cause Oklahoma for how long over four quarters? Meanwhile, even though the point spread is still very small, the expectations are big that LSU will go and be convincing in the Rose Bowl against UCLA, and that be the start of a typical modern LSU football season, and it should be. The more I hear, the more I feel like there's reasons to be heavily optimistic. I just love the fact that when you talk about where's the team strong, although I have my questions about the offensive line depth, experience, and tons of it on the starting offensive line, even with an unexpected summertime change at left tackle. At least Cam Wire's been around a long time and has the physical ability to get it done at left tackle. Rest of the line's experienced and talented. And as good as it gets, depth and talent across the defensive line for the base 4-3 LSU defense. With the four being the part that really doesn't change. Most of the time, you've got four down linemen handling the line of scrimmage, getting after it. And the Tigers are so good and talented there. That's where still... Defensive success starts because, well, what have we learned? If you're going to win, you got 
to win on the line of scrimmage because that contains the running game and it throws off the passing game. Even if you're not getting a lot of sacks, get a bunch of pressures, throw off the timing of a lot of throws, you've got a chance to make plays. And LSU's talent there, and it should be. Shouldn't it be the strongest position on the team with Ed Ogeron as the head coach? His whole area of expertise, his whole connection to the game, his entire life playing it and coaching it as far as hands-on, on-the-field coaching, defensive line. Tigers should be great there. And they have all the personnel and depth, the quality and quantity to be great there. Now you still have to be good behind that bunch. What are those other seven guys doing? Most of the time, five DBs, two linebackers. I think they got it. I think the newcomers at linebacker make all the difference in the world. Bug Strong, Mike Jones Jr. And I love what they have in the secondary, although one area of concern to me as far as living up to your potential. Already hearing Derek Stingley again banged up in preseason camp. Ugh, what are we doing? That could wind up being a very big positive because you just need him healthy once the season starts. And he'll be ready to roll and do his job as a lockdown cover man on the outside, although he can be moved around to any area of need. Maybe being banged up now is good because we were hearing some rumblings again that went away last year because he was banged up. The problem was... It's banged up during the season, too. But being banged up now and hopefully well when it matters will keep these rumblings of him getting any offensive snaps out of the equation. I know it helps you recruit. But for this particular season, after 5-5, five and five, I'm not so concerned about things outside of what makes you best on the field to win this year if I'm at Ogeron and LSU. So not getting Stingley some Charles Woodson-like opportunities to try to win the Heisman. Don't care about that. you got too many talented guys you can put the ball in their hands to return punts and kicks to. Forget it. Just get, go out there and be the cover guy we need you to be. Be great at that one thing because it's so important to us. And if you have Eli Ricks along with Stingley being the best outside corner duo in the country, with all the other talent you have, this defense is going to be great again. And the offense will get it done. And you don't need Stingley taking reps in games and practice away from all these young wide receivers battling for those spots trying to establish themselves, gain their own confidence in games next to Keishon Butte. You got eight other guys who were wide receivers, pass catchers by trade, and even Jack Basher was being called a hybrid tight end. He's going to be used as a wide receiver. You need him and Brian Thomas using their big bodies to make plays all over the field and the speedier options. Deion Jones is one that I'm excited to see. I think he's going to be a playmaker down the field. Coy Moore, I think, is going to be a fine, move-the-chains, reliable third-down guy. 
those guys need to have those reps, make those plays, gain that confidence, gain that chemistry with Max Johnson and in practice as well with Garrett Nussmeyer because he may have to play. You don't know what kind of injuries can happen. You hope they don't to Max Johnson, especially as long as Miles Brennan is out. All the reps, all the chemistry needed with those guys and let Stingley be the man on defense. I like the pieces. It's not a perfect puzzle, but outside of Alabama recruiting depth-wise, maybe to a lesser extent what Georgia's been able to do, and that's why they're the two favorites in the SEC. Teams have questions everywhere. People raving about Texas A&M. I'll keep saying they're overrated, and we'll see it. They've got question marks, too. Not a true answer at quarterback. Graduated a lot of offensive linemen. Who are the playmakers that we've seen consistently on offense, especially at receiver from them over the years? Just haven't seen it until I see it. How do you know the Aggies are going to be able to make that next step? I don't think they are. I think LSU's got more. And I really like Johnson, a quarterback. I think it's going to be a fun year. They're going to do well. And it doesn't matter what might derail them. Anything that does, and this turns into an eight, well, I'll say it again. If it isn't a nine-win regular season at least, LSU's going to have a new head coach next year. There's just too much money in the game now to worry about any kind of buyout. And what have you done for me lately? After five and five, eight's not good enough in the win column. If last year would have been seven and three, even, you don't blow that Missouri opportunity at the end. And I don't know. Where was the other victory? With Bo Pelini doing what he was doing at defensive coordinator, you can't talk your way into a win against Mississippi State. They were never getting enough stops there. They were going to have to score in the 50s, which they weren't ready to do opening day. Maybe they play them later in the season, right? I mean, just 6-4 and four may have been a better deal. But lucky to be 5-5, five and five, the shoe game in the swamp, surviving a shootout against Ole Miss, 8-4, and four, not good enough. I think LSU, you look at their schedule, though, I think they get over that eight-win regular season game win threshold. They're going to win at home. I don't think they're going to lose a home game. And they do get Florida, Auburn, and a new grudge rivalry against A&M all at home. Toughest games? Maybe there's an added degree of toughness with the opener, especially with UCLA getting a quote-unquote warm-up game against Hawaii. But LSU's just much more talented as a roster than UCLA. And what UCLA hasn't seen from new coordinators and having played a game where they will be tested at least a little bit by Hawaii to show some weaknesses, I think that's going to play into the hands of LSU. Lead to some big plays. LSU gets it done at home. Toughest games? Well, you know the toughest. It's going to be the one at Alabama, but... When LSU beats Alabama, it's usually in Tuscaloosa. And the one right before that, at Ole Miss, when Ole Miss has good offensive football teams, shootouts tend to happen, even in 2019, right? 
It's a wild shootout, although LSU had control in the second half. They had to fend off that Rebel offense. Matt Corral may happen again. I think I'm drinking the purple and gold Kool-Aids, which would be, I think, tasty grape and a very tart lemon, right? Would have to be purple and yellow, right? I'm going to go 11 and 1, I believe. Yes. My expectations have up to 11 and 1. Don't know if we have another break left based on what happened. I don't think we do. Actually, we do. So let's take it right now, and we'll close things up with a look at the CrescentCitySports.com headlines, what you need to know in a moment on All Access on 106.1 FM. For 87 years, the All-State Sugar Bowl remains a college football leader and New Year's Day tradition. Through difficult times and challenges, the All-State Sugar Bowl stands committed to shining a national spotlight on New Orleans, Louisiana, and the Gulf Coast. The All-State Sugar Bowl's devotion to our community is consistently demonstrated through its investment of millions of dollars and thousands of volunteer hours in support of community initiatives and tourism. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the college football playoff semifinal and New Year's Day tradition. I said Chantilly lace and eggshell, not matte. Colby's interior design consultancy is floored with new clients. Wait, wait, what am I looking at here? This looks like plaid. They need an admin with an eye for design and a knack for numbers. Okay, hey, hey, Luke, take a look at this. Do those numbers look right? Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Screen for quality candidates with the skills your role needs with Indeed assessments. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. This week at Macy's, keep your summer style going strong with 25 to 40% off fresh sandals, shoes, and more. Save big on brand new back-to-school gear like backpacks starting at $25.99. And it's the perfect time to update your space with great deals on bed and bath basics. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Sign up today at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Always welcoming intelligent points of view. It's All Access with Jude Young on 1061 Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call at 504-260-1061. Oh, we promised you the late headlines. I always give them to you, including what we talked about earlier. The good of the Pelicans offseason broken down a bit by Ed Daniels. You only get him on this station on Saturday mornings with Ken Trahan on the three tailgaters from 10 a.m. to noon. But he always comes up with great pieces of analysis on CrescentCitySports.com. You can catch this one on the front page. Al Dupuis got many decades of draft analysis to his credit. Locally as good as it gets. We've got a couple of good ones locally now, don't we, when it comes to analyzing the NFL draft. Well, Al, paying attention, watching training camp, pointing out exactly what we thought. Wide receiver and cornerback, they're not good enough there. But he also breaks down the depth as far as those other areas where they're actually pretty good. And with what they had to deal with in the offseason, veterans they had to let go because they couldn't pay them, that's good news. Sky isn't completely falling. Transition year, not a tear-down year is what all that means. That's what we're trying to tell you here. 
It's not that complicated. As for analyzing how the talent gets from the prep ranks and JUCO as well to the college ranks, nobody locally does it any better than Renee Nato, who broke down this week the remaining recruiting targets for LSU for 2022. Sitting at 15 known, solid at the moment, verbal commitments. And Renee also pointing out, as he lists the remaining targets, in-state and out-of-state, it's hard to know exactly how many of these prepsters, these about-to-be seniors, LSU will sign. Because... It makes sense not to go to that limit of 25. It makes sense to be free in the offseason when it starts, then once you get to the summer after spring football, and even leading up to weird things happen over the summer. In this day and age of the free transfer, and what NIL brings to the table for players that can lure them to leave places you didn't think they were going to leave. It's going to be a lot of shenanigans that are now perfectly legal that are going to go on to cause stuff like that to happen out of the blue. You want to be in a position where you can be a beneficiary there. Or if the players you do have, somebody leaves you didn't expect for whatever reason, you have a hold of Phil, you want to be able to address that and still have a chance to be opportunistic. But there's some big-time names left on the list. And, and Renee Nato tells you about them and who the Tigers are battling to grab a hold of them.